he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me, he's blind. If you're at lunch, or if you have no appetite, now is a good time to switch off the radio. It will not be pleasant listening. Welcome to the Lawrence Ross Show. You sound a little taller on radio. A two-hour weekly exploration into the mind of a man who calls it like he sees it, but he can't see his audience. So what if I'm blind? At least I don't have to look at your ugly face. Want to interact with this fool? Call or text the comment line. 813-602-2715. Hope you enjoy the program because no refunds will be issued. And we'll do it live. I took a course in Hallelujah. I went to night school for blues. The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Hope you all had a good week. Hope you all are hanging in there. A lot of ground to cover, but before I do that, let me just do this here. She was a tall whiskey glass. I was a no-hound dog that just loved to chase his tail. that magical but okay you know not that magical in regards to being being able to turn night into day but i work with what i have and if you'd like ladies and gentlemen if you want to get in on the action if you want to chat with me tonight you can do that love to hear from you 813-602-2715 that is the telephone number that is the uh text line and the comment line love to uh i can take calls and also read your texts that come in as well would love to hear from you tonight as a matter of fact gonna be doing another giveaway didn't get any uh takers last week but definitely gonna try it again but first before i get into anything I want to say thank you to roy combs thank you so much for liking the page greatly appreciate it man uh, thank you very much. Uh, make sure you tell your friends, coworkers, family members, whoever. Tell anybody and everybody you know. Check it out. It's the Lawrence Ross Show. It's Friday nights every uh, from seven to nine p.m. Eastern times, so where you can check it out. And uh, hopefully, and uh, and hope, hope, hopefully, hopefully, uh, if you want, you can get some merch, or if you want, you can get it for free because uh, I got a very special. Uh, oh, hang on, let me get him. Hang on. Hang on. All right. Yeah, I got to bring him in here. All right. All right. <clears throat> All righty. Go ahead, sir. Go, go, go with the uh, thing. <clears throat> oh, sorry about that. Hello, everybody. This is the keyword for the first hour of the program. And the word to text to 813-602-2715 is Kansas. K-N-S-A-S. As in, like, that band or that one place that one, you know, that one woman with the red shoes went or that, uh, or that one, that one 
Oz place where all the prisoners were dropping the soap. Uh, wrong show, dude. Yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, man. Uh, just get out of here, would ya? Yeah, yeah, okay, man. Yeah, whatever. Oh, 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 and uh, oh, and uh, oh. By the way, I brought a. F- uh, oh, by the way, uh, uh, I brought a friend with me too. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I know, I know, man. Look, look, I, I, I see him over here, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what do you want, sir? Hey, how you doing? Hey, look, I was just in your pantry. Holy freaking crap, we got a lot of Pringles in there. Are you trying to be like the Pringles guy? Because let me tell you something. Your mustache doesn't match his mustache. Douchebag. All right, get him out of here. All right, okay. The keyword is Kansas. Be the first person to text 813-602-2715. Be the first person to text the word Kansas, K-A-N-S-A-S, and you will get a free prize. And that prize is going to be a t-shirt that says, I don't see color, I see character. Because that is the kind of man I am, damn it. All right. Now they got all that stuff out of the way. Let's take a look at the, uh, uh, going into the personal recaps real quick. Real quick. I just want to bring you know that... Uh, our, our, our weekly uh, sports contributor, Jim Rome, is not going to be joining us tonight. Uh, he is uh, in the basement because he gets a lot of vacation because he takes a lot of vacation. In fact, he actually he actually texted me that earlier, so that's, that's why he's not going to be on tonight. So uh, sports is going to be a little different tonight. But the personal recap, folks. Uh, so let's see. Friday night after the show, uh, gosh, you know, not much. I basically just hung out and just... Uh, Called a couple friends and just uh, hung out and just watched a little TV and had some soda and just had a great time. And then uh, Saturday was kind of the same and Sunday was kind of the same. And uh, work has been work, but the only real exciting thing I can tell y'all is that I got an is that I decided to upgrade and I got a brand new iPhone. Oh, good for you! I got the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Oh, good for you! The screen is uh, six inches, uh, like six and a half inches. Oh, good for you! Yeah, but it but it's 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 really cool. But along the way, I'm still learning to cope with a couple of things. I'm learning to deal with some stuff, such as the home button not being there. I got to get used to that, but I, but, but I'll adjust. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm able to navigate, navigate just as easily as anybody else. I, I think I, I, I don't know, but, uh, but, but what I, what I do know is that, uh, it's, it's a really cool phone and I got the 128 gigabyte model and the camera I've heard is really impressive. I've taken a couple of pictures and, uh, got some pretty good feedback on those and, uh, so I'm just, I'm very excited. And, and the cool thing is that with everything being in the cloud, when I say everything being in the cloud, I mean pictures, uh, content, uh, pictures, all the various uh, sound clips that I use for my various text alerts, those ported over nicely. So pretty much all I had to do was, well, well, actually I, I went to the, uh, the Walmart and, uh, oh, oh, wait, oh, hang on a second. Oh, hang, on a second. Uh, hang on a second. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, some some, some of you. Yeah, that's right. Some of you guys were actually with me when when it happened. Uh, so uh, so uh, if, uh, uh, so what happened? Uh, so what was what was your perspective? Uh, Stu, you were there with me that night. Yeah, I was, man. And let me just say this. Uh, I wanted to, you know, you know, I wanted to get some McDonald's. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. Then, but uh, then, but then uh, you talked me out of it. Yeah, I know, man. I know. I was I was I was, I was trying I was trying to convince you to get some. Uh, Taco Bell for dinner, and you had the Taco Bell for dinner. You did, right? 
Yeah. And uh, what happened? Hard stew the following morning. All right, man. You didn't have to get that graphic. Well, look, man, you're the one that asked, man. You asked me, you know, what was it like? I mean, I'm not going to say it was, you know, I mean, that's what happened, man. All right, well, look, just just, just, just explain what happened in the store, all right? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so you were in the store and you were talking to the, uh, 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 you were talking to the, uh, uh, you were talking to the clerk, uh-huh, and uh, I noticed something. You weren't making eye contact with her. Those are women, man, you know, you know, that, that could have been great practice. That could have been great practice for you to try and maybe sweet talk her and maybe try and score a date with her because you can't do it anywhere else because, you know, I mean, if people looked into that mask, then maybe, I don't know, man, maybe you probably, what well, look, dear, I mean, well, what, 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 what did you experience? I just experienced it took a damn long time, man. Yeah, I know, because, 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 because their Wi-Fi is kind of spotty sometimes. I mean, so, well, so, sometimes it is, and well, and, and sometimes when it comes to certain phones, it's like, it's very, it's very, it's very iffy. It kind of goes out sometimes. So you kind of have to work with what you have. Yeah, I know, and, uh, oh, and, uh, oh, and, uh, um, uh, oh, and just let you know, the reason why you only got 13 bucks on your old phone is because you dropped it a couple of times there. Yeah, I know, man, I know. Yeah, but hey, look, man, uh, try to have butterfingers when you have a phone, all right, man? Yeah, I got it, dude, sheesh. Just, 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 just go back on the couch and just, I don't know, just, 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 just leave me alone for a while. Yeah, okay. All right. And, uh, yeah, uh, well, uh, all right, uh, Norm, you're also there, right? Yeah, yeah, uh, 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 I was there, and I actually convinced you to get the, uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, I convinced you to get the, uh, 12 Pro Max, because, uh, uh, a bigger screen, yeah, so, a bigger screen means that I can find a, a, a re- really graphic sex scene to, uh, uh, jack off to, uh, just before, uh, going to bed. All right, look, man, I, I, I think you're wrapped up in your pigeon character from, uh, Mike Tyson Mysteries. Yeah, yeah, let me just say, uh, uh, you know, I work with Mike Tyson is, uh, uh, you know, really great. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's a lot of fun, and, uh, and uh, he's actually funny in the, uh, 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 the roast. He was, he was, uh, he was, uh, he was on a roast for, uh, uh, Seth MacFarlane, who actually worked with, uh, Seth MacFarlane. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it kind of reminds me of another TV show, The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah, well, but, you know, I can never get into Springfield. Evidently, they don't want, evidently in Springfield, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, they don't want Norm in, uh, Springfield. <laughs> All right. All right, man. And, uh, all right. Oh, 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 Sean, you're also there? Yes, that's right. I was also there. And I looked at that store clerk, by the way. She looked like she looked like she could be a Bond girl. But I digress. Yeah, I know, man, I know. And I got some interesting stuff about you I'm going to be talking about later on tonight. Oh, okay. What do you got there, Sheila? You got a record of all the ladies I made love to after I filmed every James Bond movie? No. What do you got, Michael Bay's paycheck in there from The Rock? No, no, it's a little different. All right. Well, I'm going to go enjoy some scotch now. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, you enjoy your scotch, I got to do this program. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay. All right. <clears throat> oh, all right, hang on, I got time for one more guy. All right, yeah, yeah, Chris, you were also there? Yeah, I was. Let me just say this, Walmart, great store. 
You know what they need every aisle, though? More cowbell. Get up, more cowbell. All right. Yeah. So, takes care of that. So, I got my new iPhone, so I'm learning that. that that's, a, that's a lot of fun. And, uh, and I, I'm going to stick with Apple until the day I die. That and Verizon too. I, I like Verizon a, a lot. Lot, lot, lot of people are anti-Verizon. I've noticed, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty loyal. I'm very loyal to companies and things that have been good to me over the years. That's that's the kind of guy I am. And hang on, I'm running into a bit of an issue here because all of a sudden the computer now decides to freeze up. On the computer that I use to uh, play all the clips and stuff you hear on this program decides to freeze up on me and now i don't know what it's when it's going to come back but it'll, it'll it'll come back in a bit i mean i mean i i uh i would play something that would be a moot point but i but i can't <laughs> so i just gotta wait do 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 all right now that 813-602-2715 oh oh there okay good good Woo, okay just pop back okay cool all right now Admittedly, I don't have a lot of sports stuff. The only real big thing to comment on is, well, this. And I'm, and I'm very, very, very happy for the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. This feed is from, uh, I think it was either from, it was either from 106.5 or uh, either Chiefs Radio. But either way, here is the call from Chiefs Radio with the play-by-play man, Mitch Holtis, telling us, that the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl for the second time in the row. Here we go. One more snap. Mahomes goes to a knee. The trophy stays here because the Lamar Hunt trophy stays anchored in the hearts of everyone who shares Lamar Hunt's vision. The Chiefs kingdom captures the trophy and it stays here. Yes, The Chiefs are back-to-back AFC champions. And the Super Bowl 54 champions are ready to run it back. They are headed to Super Bowl 55 as a road team to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Chiefs win the AFC championship 38, Buffalo 24. Wow. And I just like how at the end when he delivers 24, the, the, the way he says number 24 you kind of, you kind of think, you kind of think if you're just listening, like, like if, if you tuned in late, you think it would just be like thirty-eight twenty, but I don't know why, but he prolongs that four part. Let's let's say that one more time. Four. Ah, darn it! Hold on, it was it was, it was too early. Take two. Buffalo twenty-four. <laughs> and this is yet another Super Bowl that the Buffalo Bills will not be going to. There's there's this acronym that says Bills stands for Boy I Love Losing Super Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is something to think about because that's what happened. I mean, they've gone to the, they've gone to the Super Bowl four times and they have not won at all. Oh, wait, uh, yeah. Hold on. Yo, what's up, Al? What's up, man? Are you gonna tell me there's a football team, right? That's been to the big game four times in a row, and you're gonna tell me they've lost. Every single time. Are you kidding me? You've got to be kidding me. But you know what they say about those cheerleaders? You know, I'll never forget one night I was 
Never forget one night I was watching a New York Giants game and I was taking a look across field. They were playing against Philadelphia. And I saw this one broad from Philly. Oh, she was sweet. Oh. Five foot six. Blonde hair. Brown eyes. Big jugs. But the thing I really liked about her was. Great ass! It's exactly what she had. Hoo-ah. Thank you, Al. You're out of order! All right. Uh, now, so the, uh, so yeah, this is the second time the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going to the Super Bowl, second time, third time for the Chiefs, but interesting little factoid, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the last team to play a Super Bowl in January. The last time the Super Bowl was held in January was January 26th, 2003, Tampa versus Oakland. 48-27, I think, or 48-21 was the final score. Either way, I'll never forget, Buccaneers won that season, and it, it was it was it was incredible. The electricity was flowing. Every you know, there was there's a lot of electricity in the air because every because 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 everyone was like, Wow, we got this new coach, John Gruden. He's incredible. But then we kind of but then it was pretty much surmised that the only reason why the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl was because Gruden was basically leading what was left of a Tony Dungy-led team. Now, Tony Dungy, I'll never forget when he first came to uh, Tampa, and I, I've, I've talked about this. He was originally the coach for the he was coach for the Vikings, and he was for the Buccaneers. He came to the Buccaneers January 22nd, 1996, and he seemed very humble talking about Tampa Bay. He seemed like he was going to make it his new home, and it's and it seems like it really has. He, he's, he's really adjusted nicely to it. I mean... I mean, yes, the man is very overtly religious, and I, 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 I would actually, you know, and actually, you know, this, this actually, this actually tie in with uh, uh, something, but I wanna, but, but I want, I want, I wanna, I wanna play something here briefly while I, while I go get this, uh, but uh, while I, uh, let, let me just hold on a sec, hang on a sec, hang on a second. Since uh, let's see here, hang on, let's see, hmm. Let's see now. Do I have any good football rants I could play? Or, I mean, I could just play some music. I could just play a little music for y'all. I'll just play a little music while I get this real quick. Uh, stand by, stand by real quick, ladies and gentlemen, because I gotta make a quick, because I gotta make a quick, quick run, and I'll be back in a little bit. And, uh, well, just stay tuned. Be back in a little bit. Stand by. Okay, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. I'm back. 
That was a little sample of a Green Day, a track called Jackass from the album Warning, which uh, that album had the song Minority, which is uh, the, only, the only song I know from that album, really. Thomas is more of a Green Day fan than I am, and of which, speaking of Thomas, ladies and gentlemen, uh, uh, he sent me something, uh, he sent me something in the mail, and uh, and he texted me, he says, hey, don't open that thing until you go on the air. I'm like, all right, fine. So, so I meant to do it last week. Got sidetracked, and I think it's kind of. I, I think it might be fitting because, uh, because uh, because what I did was while I was while I was looking while I was looking for the, uh, uh, while I was going to get, the the bag, I decided just to discard the bag and just take the item. So so I got the item right here, and it feels you know it feels like a jersey, and I think that all makes sense because he texted me a while back asking me for a random number. And then he asked me for my address. And so I imagine it's a Kansas City Chiefs jersey with the number 58, because it's the number that I went with, and my name on it, Lawrence Ross. So it's a custom jersey. So, Thomas, if you're listening, man, thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it, man. And uh, I'm definitely going to be wearing this on Super Bowl Sunday when we do play against the Buccaneers. Uh... Which which should, which should be a real fun game, and uh, and I was listening to uh, ninety four nine today at work, and they were talking about the game, and one of the commentators was saying something to the effect of how the Buccaneers, when they score a touchdown, they shoot off the cannons, and then they followed it up by saying they shouldn't be allowed to do that. That's what happens when you go to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game and the home team scores a touchdown. That would be that would be like if it was Kansas versus Green Bay and one of the commentators said, "Well, after Green Bay scores a touchdown, they do the Lambo leap. They shouldn't be allowed to do that." It's tradition. Why are you trying to take away tradition from what a team does after they get a touchdown? They want to celebrate any way that they want to, so they fire off the cannons. That's how they do it. So what? So what if you think it shouldn't be allowed? Kansas doesn't fire off cannons when we score a touchdown. The crowd just goes nuts, and Mitch Holtis just goes, Touchdown, Kansas City! (laughs) That's actually pretty much how he kind of talks. Uh, But anyway, yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, that's, that's pretty much all I had in regards to, uh, sports. So congratulations to the Kansas city chiefs. I think they're going to win it again this year. And this is pretty historical because it's the very first time ever, ever, ever that a football team has played the Super Bowl and it's in, and it's in a state. That one of the teams is from, so th- this is this is gonna be pretty exciting, pretty exciting. Should be a lot of fun, and I got something that kind of coincides with it a little bit. And it's 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 little it's it's a little bit of radio history, and it's a little bit of sports as well. So just so for anybody out there, if you uh, if you don't listen to uh, Sirius XM or if you do. There's a good chance you may have heard the name Mad Dog. Uh, you, uh, you may have heard Mad Dog. Mad Dog Radio. Mad Dog Unleashed on Sirius XM. 
And Mad Dog, for years, he was on WFAN New York with Mike and the Mad Dog. Mike and the Mad Dog, 66 WFAN New York. And I do have an excerpt of them that I would like to play. And, uh, you know, actually I might play that in a little bit. But first I want to play that. This is, this is not a radio history thing, by the way. This is just kind of like the sports thing. And this kind of ties in nicely. About five years ago, actually, yeah, I, I think five years ago. Yeah, five years ago, Mad Dog Russo was doing his show. And every year he does some sort of Super Bowl trivia contest. And all he wants someone to do is to call in with the name of an offensive lineman from the Green Bay Packers who was last introduced during the starting lineup of Super Bowl one. And you will find out that in this clip, he just gets more frustrated and frustrated and frustrated because people just aren't getting it. And he is just, he's, he's so passionate that he's just so passionate about, you know, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's the passion that he has that I just love. Here's, here's an example of the kind of passion that he had on Sirius XM when nobody was getting his uh, little football trivia thing right. Let's hear that first. So here we go. Give me the offensive lineman for the Packers who was last introduced during pregame introductions. Kramer. Not as incorrect. That's a good guess, Kramer, because, you know, he was on that line. So it's not Kramer, and it's not Forrest Gregg, and it's not um, Thurston. So there's only a couple more. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's only a couple of more. Rick in Tucson. Rick, good afternoon. How's it going? All right, Rick, I'm doing well. The final Packer offensive lineman announced during pregame introductions in Super Bowl One. Well, Gillingham. No, it's not him. Now, there's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. It's not Gail Gillingham. <laughs> it's not Jerry Kramer. It is not Jim Ringo. It is not Bill Curry. It is not Fuzzy Zez. One more. <laughs> Fuzzy Zez? <laughs> It kind of, it kind of, I don't know. Because he was going to say Fuzzy Zeller. Oh, by the way, I just got a tweet from uh, Thomas who says, who, who says, no, it's not a Kansas City Chiefs jersey. Try again at Blind Lawrence. By the way, that's how you can uh, reach me if you want to tweet me on the show. Twitter.com at Blind Lawrence or Facebook.com forward slash L Ross 1987. Why the heck did I not say all that stuff earlier? Jeez. Anyway, uh, gosh, you know, I honestly, honestly don't know, man. Is it a, I don't know, man. Uh, is it a Buccaneers jersey or I have no idea. It's it's, it's but but anyway, anyway, uh, get back to this. That's it. Manny in Jacksonville. Super Bowl one. Manny, final pack of offensive linemen announced during pregame introductions. I, I don't know. Take a guess. That one, I don't know. Jack Lord. No, that's not the answer. From Hawaii <laughs> 5-0. Ryan in Atlanta. Super Bowl one. Final Packer offensive lineman announced during pregame introductions was who? Jerry Kramer. No, it's not Jerry Kramer. <laughs> it's not Jerry Kramer. <laughs> Gosh. You, you know, now, now, now I'm starting to, you know, now I'm starting to understand why Mike Francesca has been known to fall asleep on his show because because he doesn't have Mad Dog Russo screaming screaming hysterically. I think I don't know. I think I don't know. I think maybe that's what kept him awake. Anyway, it is not Fuzzy Thirst. It is not Gail Gillingham. It is not Fuzzy Zeller. It is not 
Jim Ringo wasn't there. <laughs> it is not. No, it's, it's not Bill Curry. Who is the goddamn offensive lineman <laughs> who was announced lastly in that stupid, asinine, crappy, garbage, terrible production game by NFL Network? Who is the offensive lineman? God damn it. <laughs> I don't think he's. I don't think he's Mad Dog Ruse. I think he's turning into Cartman from South Park. Larry Naples, who's the offensive lineman? Oh, Chris, you always put me on the on the, in a hole, buddy. You always put me on a hole. Who is it? Um, <laughs> uh, uh, give me the give me the ones that were No, <laughs> listen, Larry, listen. Uh, he doesn't know who. Uh, what was it? Um. Forrest Gregg. No, I said it's not Forrest Gregg, goddammit! It's <laughs> not Forrest Gregg! Here goes again with the Cartman impersonation. Unintentional. It is not Jerry Kramer! It is not Fuzzy Thurston! It's not Mel Hine! It's not Vince Lombardi! It's not Ray Nitsky! <laughs> Vince Lombardi. Yeah, of course it can't be Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi was the coach. It's not Mike Webster! It is not Anthony Munoz! Jeff in Florida, who's the lineman? Jeff, wake up. Who's the lineman? <laughs> dead, dead. This is the garbage you give me. <laughs> Man, can, can can somebody get him a Snickers, please? Zach in Philly. Zach, who's the lineman? Well, it's Seth. And I'm going to say Bill Curry. No, I just said it wasn't Bill Curry. God damn it. <laughs> no. It is not Bill Curry. It is not Fuzzy Thurston. It's not Forrest Gregg. It's not Jerry Kramer. Oh, it's not Big Bob Brown. Who is the goddamn lineman? <laughs> Short in New Haven. Who's the lineman? Which lineman do you want to know? The offensive lineman. This is part of the mob. Was, was this guy? Hang on a second. I, I wonder. I want. I wonder. Was this guy not on hold? <laughs> was this guy not on hold? And you just see on his Sirius XM display. Uh, Super Bowl trivia with the numbers, so he decides just to arbitrarily call up, and they just put him on, and he just he, he just happy the next dude on in line. I don't know. And right, the last offensive lineman. Packers introduced Super Bowl one. Who is it? The first Super Bowl. Yes. All right. Um, it's got to be between Bob Skoronsky and Tony Mandarich. I'll say Bob Skoronsky. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right, so there it was. Bob Skoronk, apparently, was the was was the was 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 the missing name, evidently. Wow, it took him a while. Geez, that was like pulling teeth. But anyway, all right, I want to get to this here. An exa- another example of Mad Dog of of Mr. Chris Mad Dog Ru- Chris Mad Dog Russo's passion for sports. Very big baseball fan and a very big fan of the San Francisco Giants. This is 2003. This is actually on Yom Kippur of 2003. It was Monday, October 6th. And this was after they were eliminated from playoff contention. And Chris's mindset is, look, I've been a fan of this team ever since they got started. Can they win just one? One World Series, just at least. And it's just, it's just, it's just the passion that he has is just Great. So here we go. This is from Monday, October 6th, 2003. It's Mad Dog Russo complaining about the San Francisco Giants. Think about this for a second if you're a Giant fan. Just put yourself in my shoes. The Florida Marlins have been in existence for 10 years. They have done nothing. They had one great year in 97, and now they're having this match. Yeah, and 1997 was when they won the World Series, and they got their inception in 1993. And to give you an idea as to how bad they were, 
Phil Hendry used to do parodies on WIOD, Miami station, about the Florida Marlins, saying that they were so bad that blind musicians were beating them, dead sitcom dads were beating them. <laughs> it was like an ongoing thing. Anyway. You could run again. And both times. Anyway, back up a little bit. And both times, they have done nothing. They had one great year in 97, and now they're having this magical run again. And both times at the expense of the Giants. Think about that for a second. Yep. I have been around for 50 years, not a thing. Twice, this team, out of nowhere, has knocked us off twice. I'll give you one other stat. The yeah, Giants have played four postseason games in Joe Robbie Stadium in the last six years. And they have lost every game in the last at bat. Yep. Every freaking game in that stupid ballpark they've lost in the last... I got Ernie Cachonis calling me up and going crazy. Marlin this, Marlin that. Marlin fans are nowhere to be found. And now I can't win a game in that park in front of 65,000 people. I tell you, Saturday I was so upset. And I thought I was beyond it. I thought it wouldn't bother me. Saturday I was mad at Rodriguez. I was mad at JT. Well, I wasn't mad at JT, but I was mad at Rodriguez. Uh, I was uh, Jerome Williams. I'm mad at everybody. I cannot believe. And then I got the Yankees walking through the park in Minnesota pounding the Twinks. Mariano pitching great. Clemens and Wells who I hate. Going out there being great. And now I got to deal with the Yankees on another world championship probably beating the Red Sox and Cubs along the way and I'm out in the first round. I mean why waste my time? Every single freaking year I get myself juiced up with this stupid team and at 43 years of age and three kids enough already. Let them go hurt somebody else. I mean, how many, when am I ever going to have a chance to win a lousy freaking champion? What time? Not 20. One lousy time. <laughs> Jay Wiz. Every single beep that GD. It's kind of wild that they'd beep that. Well, I don't know. Continuing. Every single time. Ah, come on, will you please? Can you beat the Florida ball at one time? Four straight losses in that ballpark. Not to mention Bush Stadium in 87. Not to mention 93-12-1. But in all fairness, I mean, he, meant, he mentions Bush Stadium in 87. Marlins weren't even in existence in 87. He said it himself earlier. They, they started 10 years ago. Last year, they spit it up. Every single time. The game in Ridley Field. Wait, hang on a second. That's the, maybe we, hang on a second. Maybe the Giants. I'm sorry. Maybe the Giants lost in '87, and you're still upset about it. Nobody beats the Cubs. We can't be in '98. Nobody beats them. We stink. The Mets. The lousy Mets did it to us. Gosh, every time I never win. Every year I'm sitting there, and I've been there October 26th, and they're being dusty to annoy me. I've been there October 26th, and the Yankees be parading down the Canyon of Hills with their 27th championship, and I'm out again. Every I don't care how many books I write, how many kids I have, how many Marconis, I don't care. Mike can put me on that show forever. I don't care. Win one. I'll give it all back. I'll leave now. Why? That's all I want is one. Oh, no. I'll leave. I swear I'll leave. I'll quit. Muchnick, get me happy. <laughs> Phil Muchnick is who he's talking about, by the way. Much, uh, Phil Muchnick, I think he's, he's, he's this writer who, I'm not sure if he enjoyed the show or if he trashed it. Pre- I don't know. Anyway. I'll leave one time. It's almost over. I'm once. I'll get out of here forever. You'll never see me again. Let me win once. Once. I'm getting on 43 years of age. 
I'm not getting any younger. I'm not as old as Mike, but I'm not getting any younger. <laughs> wow. Man. Man, you thought you had a bad day some days. Woo-hoo. All right. Now. All right. Now. Uh, all right. Now on to a little bit more of a serious uh, subject. And uh, yesterday was the 35-year anniversary of the Challenger disaster when the uh, Spatial Challenger went up. 73 seconds later, it came apart. It uh, And all seven astronauts were killed. Uh, but uh, here are here, here's some interesting facts about the uh, Space Shuttle Challenger disaster, courtesy of Weird History on YouTube. And then after that, I have uh, Ronald Reagan's Challenger speech. And then that, and then that, sh- then that'll be a good stopping point to take a little break. So here we go. Let, let's let's. Here are some interesting facts about the Space Shuttle Challenger before and after the disaster. So here we go. A little little, little historical, little, little interesting history for you. Here we go. Oh, and 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 by, and by the way, no one has texted in the word. By the way, the word is uh, Kansas. K A N S A S. And you can get a I don't see color, I see character t-shirt. 813-602-2715. Text the word Kansas. Don't text and drive. And, well, as I said here, here's some stuff about the Spatial Challenger disaster before and after. Here we go. Originally built in 1975 as a test vehicle for the space shuttle program, the Challenger wouldn't be transformed into an actual spacecraft until 1979. It was first launched in 1983 for the mission that would entail the program's first spacewalk. That wasn't the last first the Challenger would participate in. It was also the shuttle that carried the first female American astronaut, Sally Ride. Huh, that's something. As well as the first African-American astronaut, Guillaume Bluford. The flight of the Challenger was supposed to be historic because of one of its crew members, 37-year-old Krista McAuliffe. Though she was normally just a social studies teacher from Concord High School in New Hampshire, McAuliffe had been selected by NASA's Teacher in Space program to be the first educator in space. Designed to inspire children and generate publicity for NASA, the plan called for McAuliffe to accompany the Challenger astronauts into orbit and teach a few lessons while they were there. I wonder how they'd be able to do that. I mean... Would, would it would it would it would it be her just asking him something effective like okay class so you're looking at the Big Dipper now what star is over to the left or whatever I'm, I mean I'm not sure how they how they would have been able to do it but I think it would have been pretty cool you get a view right there and well well well, well the well first that thing with space is that there's no sound so I wonder I wonder I wonder I wonder I wonder how they're able to hear themselves in space I mean did they, I mean like I mean like I don't know. Because of McAuliffe's presence, the launch was heavily covered by the media, and NASA itself provided numerous schools with a raw satellite feed. This meant thousands of school children, including those from McAuliffe's own class, were watching live when the tragedy occurred. Krista McAuliffe wasn't meant to be the only passenger on the Challenger who would capture the attention of children. Okay. NASA also made efforts to get Sesame Street star Big Bird on the shuttle. I've heard that. And, and, and explains a little bit more as to why it didn't work out. They even contacted Carol Spinney, the beloved actor who played the giant yellow Muppet, about participating in the mission. The plan was never approved by Mission Control, but in 2015, NASA did confirm that the conversation with Spinney and the producers of Sesame Street took place. Now, what I'm curious is, can, 
I can only imagine what that would have been like had he had been on that, had he been aboard the Challenger and it blew up. I wonder how would they have explained Big Bird's passing on Sesame Street because Sesame Street was only two and a half, about like two years or so removed from explaining to children death when they did an episode about Mr. Hooper. It, it was this episode, they, 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 they've been on the air for about 14 years, and they decided to do an episode because what happened was the original actor for Mr. Hooper had died a year previous. And the cast, they, they were still very upset over it. So they shot this thing in one take. It's a couple of adults, they're, they're just hanging out, and Big Bird comes by, and he has some drawings that he shows them. And he says, oh, I got one from Mr. Hooper. And they tell him, Big Bird, didn't you hear Mr. Hooper died? And he was, his, Big Bird's response was, okay, well, I'll give it to him when he comes back. And they say, no, Big Bird died means he's not coming back. He's, he's dead. He's no longer here. So they did a good job of explaining death, I think. But I can only imagine how traumatic it would have been to explain to kids that, hey, Big Bird didn't, you know, Big, Big Bird was aboard the uh, space shuttle. And I, 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 I honestly don't know how they would have handled that. But and, and the other thing is, how exactly would, the, would have they been able to do it? Because the Big Bird costume is, I think, about eight feet tall total. And that spaceship, there's, I don't think there's eight, eight feet of room to stand up. No, probably real. It's, it's probably really tiny space. I've never been in a space shuttle before, but I, but, but I imagine it's got to be a real tiny little space, little area. All right, continuing. The pilot for the mission, which was called STS-51L by NASA, was Mike Smith. It was to be the first and last spaceflight of his career. Smith also holds the distinction of speaking the last words recorded by any member of the Challenger crew. Just before the explosion, the shuttle's voice recorder captured Smith saying, Uh-oh indicating that at least one crew member knew something was going wrong. Which should also tell you that it was a case of not the shuttle breaking up that killed them, but rather the 200-foot splash into the ocean that killed them. Pilot Mike Smith wasn't the only person who knew something wasn't right prior to the explosion. In fact, on the evening before the launch, a group of engineers from a NASA contractor called Morton Thiokol tried to convince their superiors to delay the mission. A meeting was held where the engineers pointed out the launch was scheduled to take place in colder weather than any previous shuttle launch. This was important because the rubber O-rings, which sealed various parts of the shuttle, had frequently failed to perform under chilly conditions. Sadly, the engineers were overruled by their managers. One of those engineers, Bob Eberling, returned from the meeting and told his wife, it's going to blow up. Decades later, Eberling would recall that NASA had their minds set on going up and proving to the world they were right, and they knew what they were doing, but they didn't. For his part, Eberling would retire after the disaster. Decades later, he told the media that his decision to go along with the plans after being overruled haunted him for the rest of his life. Well, I wouldn't necessarily blame him. And the other thing, the the, the other reason, the, the, thing, the reason why NASA was so adamant about getting this thing up was because their whole thing was, hey, look, 
every day that challenger sits on that launch pad, we're losing X amount of millions of dollars. We gotta we we, we gotta launch this thing now, man. I mean, come on. I mean, we we we've been hemorrhaging money having this thing sitting on the launch pad and getting it scrubbed every other day because the weather's not good. So hey, we gotta launch. And the O-rings will be just fine. It'll be it'll be just fine. And it wasn't. And it just shows you that incompetence and uh, jumping the gun gets people killed. And the disaster easily could have been prevented, but no, NASA got greedy. Continuing. The engineers from Morton Thiokol were exactly right in their predictions. The launch proceeded in below freezing temperatures. Here's, here's, here's basically a breakdown of the tragedy. And when the shuttle lifted off, the O-ring seal on the right rocket booster failed. Heated gas escaped from the rocket and essentially vaporized the material connecting the booster to the shuttle's tank. This created a deadly mixture of liquid oxygen and hydrogen gas. And at 46,000 feet, the combination ignited, turning the Challenger's fuel tank into a massive fireball. Despite this, the solid fuel strap-on boosters were unaffected and continued to carry the shuttle upwards. In the immediate wake of the disaster, it was widely believed that the crew of the shuttle had died instantly. However, the evidence would later suggest a far more disturbing scenario, one which NASA had attempted to obscure. The Miami Herald's Tropic Magazine undertook an independent investigation of the accident, which revealed that contrary to early reports, the shuttle cabin had not depressurized in the explosion. This means that the crew was likely alive and awake for the entire three-mile descent from the sky to the Atlantic Ocean below. Oh, gosh. All right, so it wasn't 200 feet up. It was more like let's see, 15,000 feet up. Oh, gosh. Gosh, I, 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 I cannot even begin to imagine what that must have been like. That's just uh, that that's that that's 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 incredibly scary, man, you know. Anyway. This conclusion is backed up by the fact that several of the astronauts had time to manually activate their personal emergency air packs. While space travel is incredibly dangerous, prior to the Challenger disaster, NASA had never lost an astronaut in spaceflight. In fact, the only previous fatalities the program had experienced were the deaths of Apollo 1 astronauts Roger Chafee, Virgil Gus Grissom, and Edward White, who all perished in a fire during a ground test on January 27, 1967. January 28th wasn't just the day that the Challenger was supposed to lift off. It was also the date scheduled for President Ronald Reagan's State of the Union address. However, with the disaster only six hours old, the president opted to delay the annual speech and instead personally update the American people on the tragedy. I'll have that speech coming up in a little bit, ladies and gentlemen. Stand by. I just want to get through a couple more things about the Challenger. Then I have a Lenny Clark, Sam Kinison story about the Challenger. And then I'll go into the uh, speech and then uh, it'll be uh, break time. Here we go. The crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger honored us for the manner in which they lived their lives. This speech would be hailed as one of Reagan's greatest, quite a testament for a man whose nickname was the Great Communicator. Thank you. The explosion of the Challenger scattered wreckage over a vast swath of the Atlantic Ocean and salvage crews would spend weeks recovering all of the pieces. In fact, it would take six weeks until naval divers finally located the resting place of the crew cabin, 100 feet beneath the water approximately 15 miles east of Cape Canaveral. The remains of the astronauts were recovered, and those that could be identified were returned to their families. 
Those that couldn't were buried under a monument at Arlington National Cemetery. Following the disaster, investigators determined that NASA had deliberately violated launch rules. Engineers had warned their superiors that it was too cold for the mission to proceed, and launching in such low temperatures was against NASA's own procedures. A former chief scientist at NASA named Ken Eliff later claimed that this failure to observe the rules was the primary cause of the accident. So why did NASA ignore the warnings and press ahead? There were many factors that influenced the launch decision, but the Rogers Commission noted that in an effort to speed launch times to meet NASA's goal of 24 missions a year, the agency had pushed its people and systems beyond their capabilities. Well, see, there you go. You know, you try, you try and push to get that quota, and then sometimes if you push a little too hard, then it's game over. Got a text from my dad, by the way, who says that uh, Big Bird could have flown away if he was on the shuttle. <laughs> well, I don't well. Maybe he probably could have, but I wonder. I wonder if I wonder. I wonder who would have taken a picture of Mr. Hooper up in the spaceship with him, let it float in zero gravity. This drive to achieve more launches was tied directly to the survival of the space shuttle program, as it tried to fulfill its designed intent as a single launch vehicle that could serve the nation's growing commercial, scientific, and military launch requirements. The explosion of the Challenger made headlines throughout the world, and almost immediately there were calls for the entire space shuttle program to be halted. This suspension would last three years, during which time NASA worked to implement the safety recommendations of a presidential panel called the Rogers Commission. The commission, which included high-profile astronauts like Neil Armstrong and Sally Ride, was formed to help prevent similar disasters from happening again, and it mostly worked. It wouldn't be until 2003 that NASA would experience another tragic incident. That time, it was the space shuttle Columbia that burned up during re-entry. And it was re-entering over Tampa, I think it was. <clears throat> it, was on, it was on its way back to uh, Cape Canaveral, and then some debris started to fall in Tampa. And, and they were actually wondering, should we cancel the Gasparilla Parade? They're like, nah, let's just continue on and do it, you know? I mean, the, par- I mean, the parade was already scheduled, so hey, look, you might as well, you know? Debris from the Challenger would continue to wash up on the coast of Florida long after the disaster. For example, in December of 1996, almost 11 years after the explosion, beachgoers at Cocoa Beach, over 20 miles away from Kennedy Space Center, found two large pieces of the shuttle washed up in the surf. The pieces were so big, NASA had to use a front-end loader to pick them up and move them from the beach. The death of a civilian, Krista McAuliffe, was especially damaging to the space program, and the fallout would last for decades. In fact, it would be 22 years before NASA would send up another civilian. Incidentally, that civilian would be Barbara Morgan, who was Krista McAuliffe's backup for the original Challenger mission. Morgan, who... One of my Facebook friends, actually, because yesterday I posed the question of, hey, look, it's been 35 years, where were you? One of my Facebook friends actually had Barbara Morgan as his teacher. Or her teachers. That, that, that's kind of cool. Who, like McAuliffe, was a teacher of social studies and English, joined the crew of Space Shuttle Endeavour for a successful mission in 2007. The explosion of the Challenger changed America and its space program forever. It would also prove to be an inspiration to artists who would memorialize the tragedy in sculptures, songs, and television shows. One memorable example of this took place at the Rendezvous Houston concert in 1986, where musician Jean-Michel Jarre, a friend of Challenger astronaut Ronald McNair, 
played a saxophone solo McNair himself intended to play during the doomed mission. The track would go on to be sampled in the music of Frank Turner, Adam Young, John Denver, and even Beyonce. The brave, wonderful people who were aboard the Challenger space shuttle is called Flying for Me. The disaster was also acknowledged in the scripts of then-popular television shows like Punky Brewster and Star Trek The Next Generation. We were watching the space shuttle take off. It exploded. At the time of its destruction, the Challenger was carrying more than astronauts and scientific equipment. It was also carrying a soccer ball. Crew member Ellison Onizuka had brought with him a soccer ball that had once been used by his daughter Janelle's high school soccer team. The soccer ball, miraculously, was recovered intact from the wreckage of the shuttle. It was returned to Onizuka's daughter, who allowed it to be put on display as a memorial at Clear Lake High School. Fast forward 30 years to when Shane Kimbrough, another astronaut with a daughter who attended Clear Lake, asked the school if he could take the ball with him on a mission to the International Space Station. The school obliged, and in February of 2017, Kimbrough tweeted an emotional photo from the International Space Station, which showed Onizuka's soccer ball floating in zero gravity. Ah, that's, 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 that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. About the soccer ball... Amazing that it survived. I mean, you know, you, you you often hear about that. You hear about, like, the, these big disasters that happen, but yet these small things are just miraculously intact. It's amazing how that happens. Now, here's an excerpt from the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. This is when he had on Lenny Clark, who's a comedian. And Lenny Clark has a couple of uh, Sam Kinison stories, and uh, and I wasn't able to, like, pare it down as much as I wanted to because uh, but anyway so because it, it, it kind of ties together but anyway here here's 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 Lenny Clark with a couple of Sam Kinison stories and one of them is actually hang on a minute let me try and go to the end of the clip here hang on a minute one two three four five let's see minute 30 back hang on let me see if this is it man we can't blow this up okay hang on a second and this challenge Okay, hang on. Genius! Do you miss that? Okay. I'll just go and just play the whole thing. Screw it. Here we go. This is here here's Lenny Clark with a couple of Sam Kinison stories, and one of them is about the challenger, then I'll go into Ronald Reagan's speech. Then uh then a break. Stand by, everybody. When I first met Kennison out at the store, I said, oh, my God. It was like a revel. I'd never seen anything. And I've seen everybody. You know? Right, right. And I said, this is. Um, so I call him. And I go, you got to see this fucking guy. He's nuts, man. It's unbelievable. He's like this preacher who does comedy. It's in- insane. And so uh, we bring him to Boston. And, and, and Nick's is the first stop. Fire. I had to fire him after the first show. Why? He He showed up all fucked up. And, you know, I, I got him some blow, and he went on stage, and <laughs> yeah. he just, he yeah. was doing, like, new material. Yeah. And I said, Sam, is there any way you could do your HBO? He goes, no, no bro. That's, that's been done. done. That's been done. And I go, well, I, I got to let you go. He goes, I figured that. <laughs> well, yeah. Then I got him a gig at The Connection. Then he got fired from there. Then you had him a place in Malden. He got fired. Then he shows up at Stitches at my gig, and he comes walking in. And I go, "Oh, Sam, man, I, I, I can't lose this gig. This is my this is my big money gig." And he goes, "Do you trust me? Do you trust the beast? 
dear trusted piece. Bring me on. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you saw him on the, the, uh, HBO. HBO, Saturday Night Live. He's one of the best I've ever seen. Sam he comes stumbling out with half a bottle of my way. Chugs it down, burps, and says, someone's fucking me tonight. And from then on, he just found burnt the room down. And by the end of the night, they had hired him to come back to do the back room at the Paradise. <laughs> burnt the room down. I like that. And I don't know who the other person is. I, I know Joe Rogan. I know Lenny Clark. But I don't know who the other person is. But anyway. Wow. And it was off and running. But, oh, my God. This is like 86? Yeah. 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 Right after his oh, yeah. special. You know what we did? So... We're in New York and we're doing Caroline's, right? and I mean everybody was everybody comes out to see the show. It's unbelievable, and they're gonna do uh, Rolling Stone. He's on the cover of Rolling Stone, and he's supposed to do the Today Show. So he he flies in every girl that's ever broke up with him and puts them all up in the same hotel in different floors. I go, oh my fucking God. genius! Do you miss Daddy? You miss it? Money ever. It was fucking crazy. So, I, I, I told the story to more than a small group of people, but we're in the room and I'm lying on this side of the bed. Brother's Bill here, his mom's there. Sam's passed out in the chair. We've been going for days. And uh, Sam's mother goes, Lenny. You gotta get Sam up. He's got to do a Today Show, and I go Today Show. That's huge, man. We can't blow this up. And he was just at the point where he didn't care anymore. So uh, I said, Sam, Sam, get up, get up. You gotta do this. Your mother wants you to do it. This is big. For, it's great for your career. And we turn on the TV, and he's putting on his fucking Lenny. He's putting on his coat, and this challenger takes off, and we also we watch. Explodes. He goes, I will this. I fucking will this. Everyone back to bed. And his mother's just going, hold on. And the phone rings. This is today's show. We won't be using Sam today. Oh, my God. I will this. I will this. I want to go on today's show. That's hilarious. So he goes, you know, he goes, that was a horrible thing to happen. You know, lose all those assets. But, you know. I, I guess she was a teacher, you know, I forget her name. And, he goes, and the kids were in, in the classroom, and they're all watching. Anyone want some cookie? This cake, this cake. <laughs> <laughs> right after that. I mean, you know, but he was, he was fearless, fearless. Now, here's an interesting little thing about Sam Kinison's life, as told by Joe Rogan. His brother Bill wrote that book, Brother Sam. Yeah. And he talked about how Sam got hit by a car when he was a little kid. Mm. He was a normal kid. And he gets this horrible head injury. And then all of a sudden was fearless. Like that happened to Roseanne and that happened to him. Wow. Same exact story. Hit by a car. I didn't know. That. One personality yeah. changes 100%, becomes a totally different personality, and becomes this wild, reckless person. Oh, happened to both of them. There you go. Interesting little factoid there. Now, want to play Ronald Reagan's speech, then going into the uh, the break. Where is it? There it is. Okay, got it. It's Ronald Reagan's challenger speech on the Lawrence Ross Show. Thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd plan to speak to you tonight to report on the State of the Union. The events of earlier today have led me to change those plans. Today is a day for mourning and remembering. Nancy and I are pained to the core by the tragedy of the shuttle Challenger. We know we share this pain with all of the people of our country. This is truly a national loss. 
Nineteen years ago, almost to the day, we lost three astronauts in a terrible accident on the ground. But we've never lost an astronaut in flight. We've never had a tragedy like this. And perhaps we've forgotten the courage it took for the crew of the shuttle. But they, the Challenger 7, were aware of the dangers, but overcame them and did their jobs brilliantly. We mourn seven heroes. Michael Smith, Dick Scobie, Judith Resnick, Ronald McNair, Ellison Onizuka, Gregory Jarvis, and Krista Mikulov. We mourn their loss as a nation together. To the families of the seven, we cannot bear, as you do, the full impact of this tragedy. But we feel the loss, and we're thinking about you so very much. Your loved ones were daring and brave, and they had that special grace, that special spirit that says, give me a challenge, and I'll meet it with joy. They had a hunger to explore the universe and discover its truths. They wished to serve, and they did. They served all of us. We've grown used to wonders in this century. It's hard to dazzle us. But for 25 years, the United States space program has been doing just that. We've grown used to the idea of space, and perhaps we forget that we've only just begun. We're still pioneers. They, the members of the Challenger crew, were pioneers. And I want to say something to the school children of America who were watching the live coverage of the shuttle's takeoff. I know it's hard to understand, but sometimes painful things like this happen. It's all part of the process of exploration and discovery. It's all part of taking a chance and expanding man's horizons. The future doesn't belong to the faint-hearted. It belongs to the brave. The Challenger crew was pulling us into the future, and we'll continue to follow them. I've always had great faith in and respect for our space program, and what happened today does nothing to diminish it. We don't hide our space program. We don't keep secrets and cover things up. We do it all up front and in public. That's the way freedom is, and we wouldn't change it for a minute. We'll continue our quest in space. There will be more shuttle flights and more shuttle crews, and yes, more volunteers, more civilians, more teachers in space. Nothing ends here. Our hopes and our journeys continue. I want to add that I wish I could talk to every man and woman who works for NASA or who worked on this mission and tell them, your dedication and professionalism have moved and impressed us for decades, and we know of your anguish. We share it. There's a coincidence today. On this day, 390 years ago, the great explorer Sir Francis Drake died aboard ship off the coast of Panama. In his lifetime, the great frontiers were the oceans, and the historian later said he lived by the sea, died on it, and was buried in it. Well, today, we can say of the Challenger crew, their dedication was, like Drake's, complete. The crew of the Space Shuttle Challenger honored us for the manner in which they lived their lives. We will never forget them, nor the last time we saw them this morning as they prepared for their journey and waved goodbye and slipped the surly bonds of earth to touch the face of God. Thank you. Gone, but not forgotten. This is the Lawrence Ross Show on RazRadioLive.com. Told to be on RadioChaos.net, but still can't connect. 
don't know what's going on there. But either way, folks, keep it here because on the other side, I got, uh, let's see, something about Larry King and uh, some radio history to cover and a lot of radio history, actually. So stay tuned. Keep it here, folks. This is the Lawrence Ross Show, and I'll be back after this. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. This show is about making the people happy while you enjoy whatever has been selected for the great. Lawrence is stepping away from the microphone to fill up on his leftover Taco Bell. Nobody going to bathroom for about 35, 45 minutes. The Lawrence Ross Show will return after this. This is Shirley speaking. Who's this, please? Yeah, Shirley, this is Frank. I got a little problem. I got my son Mike up there now. And he's calling me all night. He's keeping me up there. He's a funny little kid. He's telling me he's got all kinds of problems now. He can't sleep. He's always touching himself and pulling at his pants. What's the problem up there, Shelly? Uh, I'm sorry, sir. Uh, Mike who? This is Mike Ruderman. Mike who? Mikey Ruderman. Mikey? Yeah, look, this kid, he's, he's driving me nuts here. He's calling me up all night there, playing with the phone. He says there's stains in the wash there. Somebody's always, you know, shitting in his laundry bag. You know, there's some kind of problem with this. You know, you got to stop that shit up there. Well, uh, we have our own laundry here. We uh, do a very good job, and no one's complaining. Yeah, well, uh, this kid's telling me that people are shit in the laundry, and he's always getting his ass kicked there out on the ball field. Last week, someone threw him down on the ball field, and they were licking the baseball bats and jagging him in the ass with it. I, I can't have this shit. Well, I don't think that's true. Uh, I'm still trying to find out. Who you are, I mean, uh, I, I want to make sure you're calling the right camp. Yeah, I, you, you can't have me come down here because I'm liable to beat this kid in front of you. He's driving me up a wall here, calling me all night. You know, uh, I'm... What time does he call you? He calls me three in the morning there. He's always fucking with the phone, this kid. I can't have this shit. He said the other day somebody tried to snap his leg. They put it in between two rocks and they were jumping on his legs. Look, there's nobody calling anybody at 3 o'clock. At 3 o'clock, every child is asleep. Yeah, this kid, he's got, he must be sneaking off to the phone there. Look, who are you? He, he's always pulling at his pants and shit. You know, I can't have that. The kid's a, a little lunatic bastard. I got to come up and straighten shit out there, Shelly. I'm going to come up there and beat that fucking kid in front of you. I'm going to come up there. See you, Shelly. <laughs>
Welcome back to the show. Who's in charge over there? Want to get involved in the program? Ain't nobody got time for this. Call or text the comment line 813-602-2715. Get off the phone with me, you wacky prick. This is the Lawrence Ross Show. Now back to our regular programming. Standing on the corner at midnight Trying to get my courage up The Lawrence Ross Show. How's it going, everybody? The song is a bit of a sentimental a song, value to me because it was the very first song that was played to watch her do her during the break on the very first night that we went live, April 12th, 2013. Through the long Feel my sleep Body softly swaying To that smoky beat Down on Main Street Yeah Down on Main Street Oh yeah Bob Seger I would have liked to have seen him live But he doesn't perform live anymore He, He retired like Phil, well, well, Phil Collins. I mean, he he, he can't. Phil Collins, he, he he can't play the drums anymore. But anyway, let's see what else is here. Oh, okay, all right. Well, all right. Eight one three six zero two. Oh, we got a phone call. Let's see here. Who wants to chat with us this evening? Do 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 do. Oh, Thomas. To accept, press 1. To send here. a voicemail, thing? press 2. Oh, dang it. To accept, oh. press 1. To send a voicemail, press 2. Come on! 1! Oh, you stink. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, Thomas, if you're listening, man, uh, call back in because uh, I messed that one up. But anyway, just, uh, yeah, but anyway. Oh, wait, hang on, let me turn that up a little bit. There we go. All right, yeah. There we go. All right. Stand by. Waiting for uh, Thomas to call back. Or maybe he wants me to call him. I don't... Oh, oh, uh, stand by, stand by. Call from Thomas. Hello, hello. To accept. Hello. Hello. Hello, there you go. It's working now, lovely. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <clears throat> well, how is everything? Yeah, it's going pretty good. What's up with you, man? <clears throat> Feels weird being on here after months away. I know, like three months. <clears throat> uh, now, please tell me that you you the jersey a bit more. That is that is a sentence I never thought I would say. What's that? <laughs> <about? clears throat> Like go go get the jersey, fill the thing up. You that ain't no Chiefs jersey. All right. I uh, thought you would be able to figure this out easily. Yeah. Uh, well, I got it right here, and uh, I'm trying to. <laughs> uh, hang on. Let's see. I'm 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 trying to. I'm trying to think how I describe it. Like 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 the pattern. Well, of... fill the front of it. There should there should be a, a familiar pattern on the front that you should be able to figure out. A familiar pattern. All right. Hold on. All right. Okay. All right. Well, let's see. I got it right here. Ooh, okay. Hang on a second. <laughs> Ooh, 
but all right. Now, now is this now is it, now is this, is this like an official like NFL jersey or is this like a custom it, one? Professionally done. Oh, cool. This is a professional custom jersey, but this ain't NFL. Oh, oh, I get. It. Oh, it's Tampa Bay Lightning. Yes, there you go. Awesome, thanks, man. I thought the giant fucking embroidered lightning bolt would you'd be able to figure that out. <laughs> Now I get it. There we go. But yeah, but... That, that's why I thought with these because that is, as far as I know, the most authentic jersey you can get because that's stitched. Uh, oh, that is the whole awesome. logo, the numbers, the name, all that is actually stitched rather than screen pressed. Nice. So I thought you'd be able to understand what it was. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, actually, and and and, and you failed. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, yeah, but I I got a uh, um uh. Uh, 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 I also got a hat that that that, that says uh, Tempe Lightning, and it's got a little replica of the Stanley Cup on it, and it's uh, uh, it's pretty cool. My dad gave it to me when I was in Vegas, so that that was pretty cool. Well, I thought about giving you they they had another one out that was essentially it was a jersey, and it had the uh, emblem insignia, whatever the hell they put on it when the the guys are actually playing the games during the. Uh, the finals, but then I realized that that was a lesser quality jersey that I even looked up and they're like, yeah, there's a crease in the middle of the jersey that you can't get rid of. Oh, well, that sucks. So, and, well, yeah. that. <laughs> and, and, and how many... I said, fuck it to, to that version and got you this one. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, and how many, you know, you know, and how many, how many, how many times have you heard this one? Everybody watched like the Super Bowl or whatever. Like as soon as the game's over, that commercial comes on, they say, get your official, whatever it is, merchandise, worn by the team. And, and it's like, and it's like, really? It's not well, really. That, that's it. And I actually came across a video somewhere within the last few years. I think it was by NFL Fan Zone or Fanatics or something. It was a documentary done by the NFL that actually shows how all the, all those shirts are printed uh, I'm I know they would do this for the Super Bowl. I assume they would do this for the championship games as well, the the divisional round where it actually shows all that's built up, and then you've got two different bags, one for each team, and then around you know could be third quarter, could be fourth. They you know look at the score, like okay, well this is the bag we're bringing out. This is the one we're burning afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they burn it? Because oh. <laughs> as, as far as I know, they, they either burn it or they donate it to uh, to uh, African countries. So if you ever find yourself in a third world country in Africa, you will find uh, championship shirts from teams. That... <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Like you yeah, go to you like, might as well put those shirts to good use in some way. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. You know, like you'd have um uh uh like you'd see you know, like you would see like uh uh let's see, uh uh, uh like you would see like Seattle soup uh like Seattle Seahawks Super Bowl champion two thousand fifteen when in actuality they lost because they gave the game away pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, Well but, and that's it. I, I don't know how long they've been doing this, but theoretically there are four builds Super Bowl t-shirts out there somewhere in the wild. <laughs> Potentially, depending on how long they, they've been doing this. So we'll, we'll take the merch and get some less fortunate rather than burn it. 
Good idea, good idea. Uh, but uh, so anyway, uh, uh, just real quick, uh, so uh, um, because uh, 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 I'm kind of curious myself, uh, who do you like in the Super Bowl, man? Uh, but uh, Buccaneers or Chiefs, man? Well, you know I'm going Tampa. Uh, okay. I've wanted this for years, and to see that this was our first playoff appearance since those seven, and it was even the first season since I think 2010 where we started like four and two or five and two it was a a good record and then well we lost <laughs> more times than I would have liked but right, still yeah. 11 and five is better than uh what NFL Network gave us I love seeing those videos so I'm gonna pick every game whole season and then <laughs> we get to sit and laugh at January and see how wrong Adam Rank was <laughs> oh jeez oh man oh man i put out a table on my twitter a couple of weeks back that showed you know here here's what he thought and you know all the all the seating and the records and here's what actually happened i i love doing those i don't know i just love proving people wrong i'm twitter.com like that way yep <laughs> twitter.com and it's it's at waterhead right man uh, at underscore Waterhead. Okay, Apparently, nice. at Waterhead was taken by some fuck with the, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have that one. But things have been relatively well, other than the annoyance of, I know you mentioned I, I have a new job. Yes. And then I work seven days straight and then wake up a Saturday morning after having two days off feeling fatigued. Thinking that, okay, I'm fatigued, so what? Um, I'll be a bit slow, but I'm a body. And they're like, no, you're fatigued. You need to stay home. Come to find out that I have to go get tested for COVID, which was uh, negative. And then I'm like, great, here's a negative test. Let me work. And they're like, well, they give you a release form. I'm like, no, call them, and they will tell you that I showed up, I was negative, and I can work. And it's the bureaucracy of you need the negative test, and you need that work to release form. Other than that, uh, like if you don't get that, then you have to stay out two weeks. I'm being paid, thankfully, but there's that difference between, yeah, yeah, I've got two weeks off and I'm fucking tired, so I deserve it, and then the, well, fuck, I have two weeks off and I'd rather be working. Sheesh. I I would much rather have a day off when it's earned rather than because of your bureaucracy I have to stay home even though I tested negative in a pandemic disease. Ah, it's crazy. Not, what what can you do? Not much else, man. Not much else. No, so I've just been enjoying playing video games and to say fuck you to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order because there's a point when you get to Kashyyyk and you're jump scared by this giant fucking spider. And I'm like, no. And then I look up a walkthrough and it's like, oh, there's an even bigger one that I have to fight as a boss. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm uninstalling this. No. <laughs> this is this this is this 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 is too real. <laughs> Pretty much, just this giant thing. It's bigger than my fucking character. Later on, you have to giant, you have to fight a fucking bat that's like three times bigger than you are. And like, what? How is this? You know, how is this Star Wars related? You know, I I don't know. Well, they, they well, some... well, 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 well. In all fairness, I really shouldn't be all that surprised because I read the Star Wars book one time, where where Luke was getting attacked by these 
these like oh gosh I don't know how to describe they're like these there's like these these like winged creatures that had like two heads attached to them uh, attached them and they were like bats or something it was re- re- really I, strange I wouldn't know I I know enough about Star Wars where I could discuss it at a decent level but I am in no uh, shape or form a Star Wars fan that's like oh yeah I know I know all the movie titles. I've seen all the movies. I saw whatever the hell eight was, was my last one. Hmm. Uh, it wasn't, I didn't bother watching nine. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't the force awakens or was, let's see. No force awakens was seven. I think and then uh, rise of seven. Skywalker was nine. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this was like last Jedi or something. Something like that. <clears throat> maybe, maybe it was that. I remember talking to some friends a little while ago, talking about star Wars and I'm like, you know what, if you're not a Star Wars fan and you want to see something cool, watch Rogue One, which was the uh, the spin-off movie, uh, because that actually shows, like, throughout the original trilogy, we're told, oh, Darth Vader, he's this badass killer. Well, you actually see him going apeshit at the end of Rogue One and killing a bunch of people. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. <laughs> Craziness. All right, man. Yeah. Yep. I'm alive. I'm working. I'm that leaving Lowe's was something I had wanted to do for months, and I was so grateful to those two angels. I'm not somebody that uh, is really into religion, but these were two Irish Catholic women. They come in on a Saturday night. And I actually broke down in front of them. I was just so stressed, annoyed, just all these emotions. And they looked at me and they're like, is this really worth all this, all this stress? Is this really worth the money they're paying you? And I was like, no. So I talked to a manager and he's like, well, we can help you. Uh, try to learn new skills in the store, but this is kind of something that you need to figure out. So the next day I quit <laughs> because I didn't want to be, I could have had everything I ever wanted within two months, or I could have been exactly where I was a year from now. And it pissed me off because like not even a week later, a full-time position opened up and I was like, of course they wait until I leave. <sighs> But because of the favoritism that happened in that store, I doubt I would have gotten the position anyway. Hmm. But so I quit that job, honestly prepared to be out of work for the next six months. And then to have Walmart call me and uh, love the hiring manager there. He has been incredibly professional, even answering my stupid questions as a new hire. Uh and we went through the interview process, and I am fully expecting him to say, well, this was a nice interview. I'll call you if you got the job in a couple of weeks. And he was like, no, and with all that said, I'd like to offer you a job. Nice. <laughs> so I that was on a Sunday. I uh, So literally a week after I quit, I was technically officially hired and then had my first day on a Thursday and then worked seven days straight, got fatigued, and here we are, waiting out my COVID leave. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Well, it seems like, yeah, all right. 
But things are at least somewhat looking up for now. Mm-hmm. So All right. well, there's well. that. I'm getting a decent tax refund. Just did my taxes. Uh-huh. Uh, today. So, uh, my advice to everybody, if you've got your W-2, do it now. Don't be like Springfield's on the night before. <laughs> Where it's literally the 11th hour. <laughs> yeah. Texas, Texas, eat this lad from Metallica. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you, you got these people, they, they wait until the 14th to do it, and then you're filing for extensions or just hoping that the IRS doesn't come to your door. I was counting forward from the last previous doubt. <laughs> well, and I, I even had a moment like that when I was doing my taxes. It was like... Wait, no, I'm not on those anymore. Yeah, but this was for last year's when you were. <laughs> I had that <laughs> so you moment go back. of like, oh, yeah, last year. Okay. <laughs> but, oh, gosh. All right. Thankfully, I, yeah. I got my taxes done for free because I don't make a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was disappointing seeing my return from 2019 and then seeing this and seeing that I only made like maybe $1,100 more than the previous year. But. Maybe with this new job, I'll actually have full time at the end of the year, and I'll make over five grand more than I did last year. Woohoo! Make so that. Make we that. will see what happens there. Yes. But that gift of yours is something I have wanted to do for years. Yes. And I know you. you're a huge Lightning fan. Oh yeah. You yep. do the same thing for me with a Bucks jersey. Yep. And they lost on uh, Thursday, it, by the way. It was just a. That's it. unfortunate, but yep. it was just something of like, fuck it, I have the money. I'm I'm doing this for a great friend that I've had for more than 15 years. So oh, enjoy, thank you, man. Thank you, thank you, man. And it's great hearing from you, man. And uh, you know, if uh, uh, you know, you're always welcome. Uh, you know, on the program anytime. If you just want to call up, say hello. Well, we'll see what happens in the future. But <laughs> All right. Good hearing from you. So uh, have a good show. Thank you, man. All right. Have a good night, man. Later. All right. Great hearing from you. Later. All right. Later. All right. For anybody. Uh, all right. For anybody, the new people who. Uh, uh, that that was uh, Thomas, a lo- lo- long time contributor to this program, and left in uh, 2020. And uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, now he's doing his own thing. But it's always cool hearing from him. Now, uh, 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 getting some stuff here real quick. And I've got to be kind of quick with some of this stuff. Uh, so on Saturday, Larry King passed away. Larry King, uh, big name on CNN for years and years. But he was also a radio host for many, many years. He was on in Miami. And that was, his ambition in life was to be on the radio. And he got there. He was on Miami. And he was on the Howard Stern Show. And he told the story about how he was able to get Frank Sinatra on his show. And uh, he just he, he had a lot of really interesting stories and things of that nature. And after he passed away, of course, everyone starts reflecting on the memories. And this one pops up. This was from... November 1st, 2007, Jerry Seinfeld's on the show to promote B-Movie, and Larry, he talks to him about the show Seinfeld, and it dissolves into this. Lasted how long? Nine years. 180 episodes. You gave it up, right? I did. They didn't cancel you. You canceled them. You're not aware of this? No, I'm, I'm asking you. You think I got canceled? Are you under the impression I, that I, I got canceled? You, I heard you, Jerry. <laughs> I thought that was pretty well documented. Don't this is most a, shows is this still down. CNN? Don't most shows go down a little? Most people do also. You but <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I, I went off the air. I was the number one show on television, Larry. You were Do you know who I am? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and, that, and, yet, and since that clip has resurfaced, Jerry Seinfeld, he wrote a nice little tweet saying, rest in peace, Larry King. And, and, and they asked him, hey, why is this clip resurfacing? And Jerry's like, oh, I was, just, I was just messing around with him, man. I just went along with it. <laughs> Jewish guy, Brooklyn. Yes. Okay. 75 what? million viewers last okay. episode. Why you don't take like it so canceled. bad? Well, that's a, a big difference between being canceled and being number one. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll be right back. Jeez. B-movie opens. <laughs> B-movie opens. Can we get opens. a resume in here for B-movie me? B-movie opens so tomorrow. We'll be right back. <laughs> oh, gosh, it's wild. And, of course, there's one of my favorite Larry King instances where he was on the Phil Hendry show and he got fooled. He didn't know Phil did all the voices, I guess. And anyway. Anyway. Now onto this, because this 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 might take a little bit of time. Here we go. Get on the microphone in a serious manner. The Howard Stern Show. Hey now. The Phil Hendry Show. I love Hendry. And all the other radio shows in between. Have a bad night. <laughs> it's time for radio history with Lawrence Ross. Not sure if I really want to recut that, but anyway, uh, I don't know. But either way. Now, this first moment, it was so chaotic, trying to pick one excerpt from it was pretty impossible because everyone's talking over each other, all this stuff. So just to give everyone a little bit of a setup, in 96, Howard, uh, uh, 1996, Howard Stern worked on this movie, Private Parts. It's based off of the book about his life. And so in early 97, Howard was saying, yeah, there's a soundtrack coming out. There's a soundtrack coming out. Well, this uh, band, uh, two dudes... One guy named Eric, and I can't remember the other guy, but they're known as the Jesus Twins. They were on the show, and they just, well, Jim Forbes does a good job setting it up. This is from the History of Howard Stern, by the way. The History of Howard Stern was a uh, radio documentary, which you can hear on SiriusXM's app. you got to go to Howard Stern, click on Howard Stern Specials, and there it is. You, you, you got to kind of scroll back a little bit to get it, but it's there. And this is, here's Jim Forbes talking about the Jesus, setting up. The Jesus Twins. So here we go. On January 27th, 1997, Howard came face to face with an ambitious group from California looking for their big break. An unforgettable duo. The Jesus Twins. The Jesus Twins. That's uh, Fred Norris talking, by the way. Twins were a phenomenon. And they might have peaked early. They might have been one of those phenomenons that had they maybe come along 10 years later, they would have been huge. That's what I think. Between the Jesus Twins, their dream to grab for the brass ring, and their lack of musical ability. <laughs> it went with that. I think there's one Jesus Twin still around, and uh, God rest his soul to the other Jesus Twin. They were certainly unique. <laughs> they were, but yeah, and, and the reason why there's only one Jesus Twin left is because one of the guys was off his medication and died suicide by cop. And the living guy says that his brother appears to him in a reoccurring dream telling him to keep the dream alive. There's no doubt about it. Steve Grillo. Possibly two of the biggest douchebags ever to uh, cross the radio waves. They 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 acted so inappropriate and they, they were they were they were yelling over everybody, they they were picking fights with everybody, and they 
they were so convinced that after Howard heard their music that he would stop pressing the album to put their song on the album somewhere. Never materialized, and uh, so, yeah. Uh, I never understood it. I, I was angry at Howard for let, giving them airtime at all, but I look back at it now, and I can understand why, because they just really lived in a different universe. But for me, I had to deal with them on a more personal level, so I just hated the fact that they got any attention whatsoever. Ugh. I know one of Here's Gary, Gary Delabate. Stand by. I know one of them passed away, but they were such assholes. <laughs> you know, and I know you're not supposed to speak ill of the dead, but they were such assholes. But they were amusing, and we spent a very long time trying to figure out if the Jesus Twins and their manager were clinically insane or, like, better than Andy Kaufman, like the world's most brilliant comedians. And we debated off the air for a very long time. We were never sure what it was. And we found out later that, you know, some of them were clinically insane. So there we go with that. Now, here we go one year later. In around 1997, I think this was, MTV had a little thing called Cartoon Sushi. And one of their things on Cartoon Sushi was a short little thing called Celebrity Deathmatch. And it was Marilyn Manson versus Charles Manson. And it was the one time thing. It was like a one time thing. Then in 98, they announced something called Death Bowl 98. And it's Celebrity Deathmatch, and it ran during the halftime of the Super Bowl, Super Bowl thirty, uh, yeah, Super Bowl thirty two, and it was, and uh, the matches were Howard Stern versus Kathy Lee Gifford, uh, RuPaul versus Pamela Anderson, and Hanson versus the Spice Girls, <laughs> and here it, and here's the Howard Stern Kathy Lee Gifford match. I'll try and describe it as best as I can. Here we go. Exactly insane. All right, here we go. Introducing first, the reigning queen of morning television, America's premier vocalist and leading all-around personality. Now, just to give everybody a quick little explanation as to what this was, for those who don't know, Celebrity Deathmatch, it was a uh, show in claymation where celebrities would go into a ring and they would just beat the living tar out of each other. And it was really over the top, it was really gross, but it was really funny all in the same go. So just try and picture that. An over-exaggerated puppet version of Kathy Lee Gifford versus an over-exaggerated puppet version of Howard Stern. Kathy Lee Gifford. Thank you. I love you all. I love you, Cody. I love you, Cassidy. Mommy will be home soon. And her opponent, champion of morning radio, late-night television, books, movies, and the First Amendment, Mr. <laughs> and and the guy who actually did the impression of Howard, he called in like the day after and they played this on the show and he even talked about it. He says, yeah, you know, he explained the process. And uh, and and Howard said, yeah, the guy who did me was really good. The woman who did Kathy Lee, she was way off. <laughs> but all friends, I mean, you know, they're not supposed to be pitch perfect impressions, but some of the but like some of the impressions that they were able to do for that show was like, wow, like Steven Seagal. I can never hear a Steven Seagal impression, but God's able to do it. Continuing. And the man controlling the action inside the ring, referee Mills Lane. And actually got Mills Lane to do his own voice, and he did that voice up until he had a stroke. I want a tough, clean fight from the both of you, and no hitting below the belt. Hey, why the long face, Kathy Lee? Thought you might get lucky? I'd be lucky if I could find anything below your belt. Yeah, <laughs> right, sure. Now let's get it on! I 
hear that. I hear that. All right, very good. You and me. Come on, baby. Let's get it on. Look at Kathy Lee go. Looks like she may have some mental frustration. Ah, not the face. Hits him. He goes down. Howard's down. Hey, uh, Kathy Lee, how about after the fight we go back to my hotel room for a little one-on-one, huh? <laughs> Shove it, hose nose. I'm taking you down. Ooh, Kathy Lee establishing the overhand right. She's just beating the crap out of him now. Howard doesn't get his fist up. This is going to be a real short fight. <laughs> ah, I'm blinded. I don't know what happened there. Watch out, Howard. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> He's down now. Let me go. You're crushing my intestines. I think at this point, from what I'm trying to gather is, she's got him in like a reverse bear hug kind of a deal to where, to where, now try and picture this, because this is really important. His butt is near her. So just try and picture that. Kathy Lee Gifford, puppet version, has a Howard Stern puppet wrapped up in like a bear hug, like she's getting ready to squeeze the ever-living life out of him. And it's kind of like in reverse to where like, you can see his face and all. Anyway, here we go. I have a very delicate colon. I want you to apologize for all the nasty remarks you made about me and my Frankie. I don't think so, honey. Apologize, you long-necked bastard, or I'll crack open your friggin' rib cage. Let me tell you something. You're the one who's going to be sorry. Ah! That's disgusting. <laughs> he farts. He farts and there's this, like, like big cloud in it, and it ejects her and she goes down. I'm the king, damn it. No one can escape the wrath of my devastating natural aroma. Hang on. It looks like Kathy Lee's down, but not out. She gets oh, back, gets back I up. I see you got your second win. All right, very good. Well, here's my second win, woman. Stand by for another blast from my speaker cannon. <laughs> and the winner by way of flatulence is... I am the king of all media, as well as the king of poisonous butt fumes. <laughs> hey, uh, can somebody get me a wet nap? <laughs> oh gosh, that's crazy. So he, he farts and she melts, basically. <laughs> so, okay. So, okay, so got that. Okay, now, now onto something that's a little bit longer, basically. But it's also uh, radio history related, so I figure it would uh, make sense to talk about it. Gotta go back in the time machine a little bit here because this whole because it really doesn't make sense to me how this works out. <clears throat> okay, <clears throat> only got like ten minutes left, so I gotta make this kind of quick. Back in 1999, when Britney Spears was first coming onto the scene, there was a, a radio program, the MJ and BJ Show on 93.3 WFLZ. Now, when she was coming up to prominence it seems like mj also known as todd schnitt that is his name s-c-h-n-i-t-t if you want you can google search todd schnitt but don't say i didn't warn you because he's really ugly looking but that's neither here nor there so it seemed anytime britney spears was brought up on his program it was he would always just never had anything good to say about her never it was always she dresses horribly, her music is horrible, she's sending the wrong message out to young girls, etc., etc., all this stuff. 
I remember this specifically because the video sticks out and what was written on the website also stuck out with me too. So in 2004, a music video for a song by Britney Spears comes out called Every Time. In the video, it shows her getting into a bathtub, committing suicide, and then there's a part where the paramedics try and revive her, but it doesn't work out. So they post that video up on MJ's website, and I'm not sure if he wrote this or he told somebody to write this, but he just, the description just goes on and on about how, like, what is this jackass trying to prove to our children? You know, this, this, whole, this whole thing of, well, if it's, you know, it's an artist and they, they live the persona that they uh, uh, send out. They don't, they don't do any, you know, they, they, they never calm down, evidently. So in 2007, Britney Spears has a public meltdown. It's a very sad situation. This MJ guy, he puts up a couple of billboards of him next to Britney Spears with her shaved head. And the billboards, they, they weren't very flattering. Like once it's certifiable whack jobs in the morning. And Britney Spears' camp steps in and said, Hey, uh, Clear Channel, you might want to take those billboards down. We did not approve of those. And that's also taking, yeah, that's taking, uh, you know, taking their likeness without permission. We're going to sue if you don't take those billboards down. So Clear Channel obliged. What is MJ through? Uh, that, that what does MJ do? He throws a crap fit in the media. He he complains about how the station is spineless. They're cowards, all that stuff. This is this comes from the same guy who a month later went to a shooting range and shot a Harry Potter book because he couldn't give them away on the air. Yes, I am not making that up. This guy, because he could not give away Harry Potter books, was so upset over it that he went out to a gun range, took a copy of the Deathly Hallows, and shot it with a gun. Wow. <laughs> so... He belly aches about that. He complains that the station has no backbone, etc., etc., etc. Meanwhile, nine months later, there's a big story in Tampa Bay. Radio personality, Bubba the Love Sponge, the bad boy of morning radio, getting sued by Todd Schnitt from the MJ Morning Show. Why? Because Bubba and the guys referred to MJ as a midget with pubic hair on his head. They said that he was overpaid, said that he was stealing money, said that his show was overhyped, was lame, and people were tired of it. This MJ guy sued because of that. So let me see if I got this perfectly straight. He's able to dish it out, but he can't take it. I think somebody's in the wrong industry. Then, of course, well, for anybody who may be outside of Tampa, Five years later, the trial finally ended in a victory for Bubba, but it was a very tainted victory, very tainted, because during the trial, before it even went to trial, it came out that MJ's lawyer got arrested for a DUI. And I've heard MJ say this countless times. I'm pretty sure he probably still has this mindset. But, his, but he has said on the air, that if you even so much as get one DUI, your license should be taken away from you for life. That is his mindset. That is his ultra-conservative, 
if you even disagree with me in the slightest, you're a moron. You don't know what you're talking about. And I'd hear this on his afternoon show, too. He does, as I'd say, he did something called, he does something called the Schnitt Show, which, which started airing after 9-11. And I used to hear this all the time on the, uh, on, on the program because I was into it for a little bit. He, whenever he would get a phone call from anyone disagreeing with him on Bush or was bashing Bush, it was always, I, uh, th- 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 that, 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 you're a moron. Ah, get off my phone. Get off my phone. Ah, you don't, yeah, ah, get out of my, yeah, get off my phone. You anti, ah, you're anti-American now. Uh, 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 you don't support the war. I, you know, you don't support the war. You're being a pacifist. Get off my phone. Ah, ah, ah. Just real, just curmudgeon, man. So he does this crap. And then, so does he fire his lawyer? No. So then five years later, it goes to trial. During the trial period, both, both camps go out to have a night off, enjoy the night. And it's been speculated that somebody from Bubba's law camp, uh, the Diacos, uh, had a woman go near Phil Campbell and entice him and ply him with alcohol and then set him up for DUI and he got busted. And it turns out the cop, the arresting officer, was fired because he was mistaken. I don't think he should have been fired. I mean, like, you know, I mean, if it's, you know, if it's a bad tip, it's a bad tip. But I, I, guess, I guess it's a case of, Bubba wanting to win so badly because he was tired of, uh, uh, well, well, I will say this. I mean, I mean, I know for a fact it was not Bubba who himself said to the Diacos, hey, set this guy up on a, you know, on, on whatever. Bubba was totally out of it, but he was still attached to it, I, did, more, more or less. So there's a victory for Bubba, all that stuff. And MJ loses the case. Then the next day, he goes on his afternoon show, and he just starts talking out of his bum, especially when he says, I stand by the First Amendment. That could not have been a bigger lie than that. If he truly stood by the First Amendment, he would not have tried to abridge the freedom of speech that the Bubba guys were practicing. So, at any rate, basically... The long and short of it is they're both guys named Todd. <laughs> that's, that's the best way I can describe it. Guys named Todd. Todd! <laughs> oh, gosh. Anyway, let's see what else we got. 7.50 p.m. Oh, well. Wow. Oh, that was shorter than I expected. All right. Well, actually, okay, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, you know, I... I, I I wish I had something else I could wrap the show up. Well, actually, you know what? Hmm. Ah, jeez. Oh, may- maybe, uh... Eh. Okay. It's... You know, I'll... I'll, I'll take it out on a... You know... Eh, I'll take the shot on a classic. You know, we got a new president, and... I think he said recently he's only going to do COVID updates three times a week, which is, you know, a little bit more tolerable than it being everywhere. But nevertheless, here's a little song I run about the uh, coronavirus. It's called uh, it's uh, my take on uh, yesterday by the Beatles. I figure I'd play that. And then uh, that then that'll be the show back after this. (laughs) 
Yesterday When we used to go outside and play The pandemic has us locked away Oh, take me back to yesterday Quarantine Everything is on my iPhone screen Here's a cure tiger blood from Charlie Sheen No, he might have COVID-19 Man, this is so long We wonder when it will pass Trump and Fauci blab But their heads are up their asses Yesterday When we used to hang and celebrate No poontang so we all just masturbate Oh take me back to yesterday We all wear these masks I wonder is a bank getting robbed When this is all done Can a girl please give me a blowjob Yesterday We would always hang around and play The pandemic has us locked away Oh, take me back to yesterday Lawrence Ross show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. That was a little tune I did about the uh, pandemic, about the uh, coronavirus, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully, it'll be over soon. I'm hoping sooner than later. I mean, I mean, they're, they're projecting that possibly by the uh, I don't know by uh, fall of this year, we'll be back to what we used to do, which which will be great. Love for it to happen. Love for it to happen. But at the same time, folks, we you know we got to be realistic about this. We just have to. I mean, we have to be patient. But uh, we'll we'll just 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 keep on, man. We just got to keep on, and we'll 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 you know we'll get through this, and hopefully. I mean, what are we gonna do with the masks when this is all over? Are we gonna have to keep them, or are we gonna have to? Uh, I don't know what the heck. But anyway, what I do know is this, ladies and gentlemen. This is the end of uh, this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, nobody entered in. Nobody entered in the uh, keyword Kansas, so that one is expired. And uh, I'll try it again next week, ladies and gentlemen. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Lawrence Ross. Good Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. Tell somebody you love. That you love them and mean it. Thank you to Thomas for checking in tonight. Always great hearing from you, man. And, you know, I figure I can go and do this real quick. I'm just going <clears> to, <throat> let's see, where is it? Carlin and bang, bang. There we go. Let's see, where is it here? Oh, dang it, hang on a second. Guys, 
Let's see. Okay, I got. Okay, there it is. Back up. Wait on. Dang it. There we go. There we go. Hang on. Toot toot toot. Okay, gun. Whoop. Hang on. Take that. Take that down. There we go. Put that there. Okay, there we go. Mix. Doing a live mix here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, there we go. Mix, mix. There we go. Mix that. There we go. All right. I figure since, you know, I, I used to, uh, as, I've, as I've talked about on the show, I, I've said in the past I used to listen to uh, both the MJ and the Bubba program. And I used to enjoy both those programs, but not anymore. And in the end, both of those guys, well, their real name, it, well, both, their, both their real names are Todd. So I figure I'd just close the show with uh, George Carlin talking about guys named Todd. It's, this has been the Lawrence Ross Show. Good Lord willing in the creek don't rise. Tell someone you love that you love them and mean it. And I'll see you next Friday. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. Guys named Todd. You know, yeah, it's just a goofy, it's a goofy fucking name, okay? Hi, what's your name? Todd. I'm Todd. And this is Blake and Blair and Blaine and Brent. Where are all these goofy fucking boys' names coming from? Taylor, Tyler, Jordan, Flynn. These are not real names. You want to hear a real name? Eddie. Eddie is a real name. Whatever happened to Eddie? He was here a minute ago. Joey and Jackie and Johnny and Phil, Bobby and Tommy and Danny and Bill. What happened? Todd and Cody and Dylan and Cameron and Tucker. Hi, Tucker. I'm Todd. Hi, Todd. I'm Tucker. Fuck Tucker. Tucker sucks. And fuck Tucker's friend, Kyle. Yeah, yeah. There's another soft name for a boy, Kyle. Soft names make soft people. I'll bet you anything that 10 times out of 10, Nicky, Vinny, and Tony will beat the shit out of Todd, Kyle, and Tucker. You've been listening to the Lawrence Ross Show. Email the show, blindlawrence at gmail.com. There's a letter in your mailbox. Follow him on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all ending in forward slash blindlawrence. Be careful of the fucking wall! Check out his YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash Lawrence Ross. Become a fan of the show on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash lross1987. Rate and subscribe to the show on iTunes or follow the show on Spotify. Search Lawrence Ross. Get out and take your sack of Jawea dollars with you. This week's edition of the Lawrence Ross Show has just hit the brakes. Keep your ugly fucking gold bricking ass out of my beach community. You lose! Good day, sir! I was making radio shows for fun. Everybody does it. At least everybody I know does. Shut up! And Baba Booey to y'all. <laughs>